0: Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ plus authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm excited to talk to Lev Rosen about Emmett. Hello, Lev. Hi, thanks for having me back. Oh, I'm very excited. I just love romance novels. Everybody that knows me knows I cry so easily. I'm such a sap for romance. (laughs) This was so adorable. Um, In the notes, it says it's sort of a retelling of Emma. How did you come to that idea?
1: Uh, Well, I've always loved what Jane Austen said about Emma, which is that she wanted to write a character no one was going to like but her. And that is sort of a mentality I've tried to take with me into all my books. <laughs> this sort of like, who cares if anyone likes the mentality? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's always sort of hovered in my brain. And the idea of maybe doing a retelling was there. But I have concerns about young adult romance I always have wherein I, I worry that it's sort of the the Disney problem where you're telling teenagers they can meet their forever person when they're 15 or whatever. And that feels like setting them up for heartbreak for sure. Um but there was this uh romance roundtable I did for Booklist, I want to say. Uh and, and Nicola Yoon was there, uh Sandia Menon and A.R. Capetta. And we were just talking about romance. Um, And, uh, you know, I talked about that. I talked about how I worry about those endings. And I think it was Nicola who said that she understood where I was coming from. But, um, you know, teenagers have to see potential happy endings for themselves, even if that ending is not really an ending. And that was such an interesting idea to me. And, like it sort of gave me a way into the idea of like going full big romance and that just seemed to fit because I think because like part of me was like, I'm going to make it a romance novel come to life then. Let's like make it over the top Um, like Bridgerton and, you know, Bridgerton Regency. So then I was like, oh, Jane Austen and it all sort of came together. I love that. I've
0: expressed to a couple of friends in the podcasting world that sometimes when I read way, I'm always a little worried because I'm like, so there are these sex scenes, and that's not the only thing about the book, just so we're clear, but there, is, there are some sex scenes, and I, I was always worried about it, and some friends of mine who are parents have said, Dan, you know, every teenager thinks of that because that, is, that is, we're all the human animal. Mm -hmm. So that's a natural thing. And of course I grew up very religious, so I have to get around all of that good stuff. So um, I just love the fact that you've given us a healthy, fun Emmett. I mean, Emmett's got his issues. We all have our issues, (laughs) (laughs) but I love, I adored Emmett from the very first line. I really did. (laughs) Did you like Emmett? Oh, I I love
1: Emmett, Emmett, but like, I like, just like I love Emma, like, but, they are both condescending know-it-alls, <laughs> control freaks. <laughs> and I personally love that, possibly because I relate to it too much. Uh, <laughs> um But I understand people who don't. And, you know, not every book's for everyone, so I'm fine with that. <laughs>
0: well, Liv, I will tell you that I, I really thought, oh, shit, I think Liv has been... Reading my diaries when he was writing them because I'm like, yeah, I, I think I can always fix everything. And, you know, the older I get, I realize that that's just not the way it happens in real life, but I still give it a, a heave ho every now and then.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely a condescending no at all in high school and <laughs> probably still am today, but, you know, have it a little more under control.
0: Well, a nice thing about it, I can say, is at least we know exactly what our opinion is. We don't have to fish for it. So if you ask me my opinion, I'm definitely going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Emmett's dad, Henry, is he was so... He was so fun to read, and I wanted to hug him because I'm just like, I know, dude, you like, you're like, you about to run off the rails over here. That was a fun thing to see at, in a parent and child dynamic that it wasn't the child running off the rails. And I don't mean that in a bad way for Henry. He's gone through a lot. But um, I, I really appreciate that. I thought that was a, a different side than we see often in books. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think I definitely... Took in Emma, Uh, her father, Henry, is a bit of a hypochondriac. He's very obsessed with sort of healthy gruel and preventing drafts. And so I wanted to sort of modernize that. Uh, And so I made it, you know, antioxidants and, you know, you have to drink this green tea. (laughs) But, you know, I was looking at the text and Emma's mother dies young uh, and, You know, when we read Regency books, I think part of us is sort of just like, well, sure, everyone was dying all the time back then, so that's normal. Um, (laughs) But when I, you know, sort of look at the text, I was like, you know what? I wonder if that hypochondria is related to the death of his wife. And so I decided to, to blend those together and make him sort of very worried about Emmett's health and everyone's health because of his wife's. Death and and the way that that wrecked him. And then Emmett, seeing the way it wrecked his father, sort of becomes wrecked in a different way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I think there again, you know, Emmett,
0: um, he has these rules, and uh, I might have made a few of those for myself over the years, you know, and they're always unattainable rules, whatever they are, and they oftentimes, I think, we think those rules are for our betterment when they probably are not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I love the fact that the rules Emmett makes for himself don't seem to apply to other people. He, can, <laughs> he can't fall in love yet, but every he can match make with everyone. Yeah, no,
1: he's fine with other people making those choices. He thinks they're the bad choice, but he's not going to like <laughs> prevent people from making those choices. He's going to try to make sure that they do it as well as possible. <laughs> and look and look as
0: good as they can while they're making those choices. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think so much of the of Emmett's rules and the book in general, you know, the book, what I really wanted to do on some level was explore the messiness of queer relationships and the, this idea that our um, our relationships as queer people tend to come from the same pool. So our best friends and our our fuck buddies and our uh, actual romantic relationships we draw them all from the same pool and that results in a lot of messiness because you know those relationships change over time one goes from one to the other etc um and that messiness was something i wanted to shower both figuratively and literally <laughs> <laughs> And have Emmett and his his need for neatness and like you know keeping things clean sort of not work in relationship to that and that was that that push pull was really sort of one of the things I I very much wanted to do (laughs) (laughs) and you succeeded nicely thank you which character is your favorite outside of Emmett outside of Emmett see that's always difficult. Um, just because like, then it's like, what teenager, (laughs) (laughs) what teenager do I relate to the most? And certainly, you know, all of them have their things. Taylor's sort of insecurity and her ability to see the best in Emmett, even when he's being his worst. I love a lot. Um, Knight and their, uh, sort of, you know. <laughs> older and wiserness at, you know, age 19 uh, right. um, is, uh, you know, certainly something that was appealing to me. And I do, I do love Miles because I do think he is sort of also a condescending jackass, um, just in a very different way. But uh, if you're going to ask me my real favorite, it's probably going to be Miles' moms. <laughs> it's always going to be the adults. Yes, those are the people I relate to. <laughs> Those
0: seem to be the two healthiest mentally, you know, which I loved about that. I love, the, I love that you gave Miles to moms and mm-hmm. it was normal. If That's not the best word, I think, for queer people to use, but it was, they felt the most normal. It wasn't something that was pushed. It was something that was so organic and that was really nice to read.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I always try to show, you know, I'm I'm big on showing big queer communities. You know, there are so many books where uh, the, the, the queer character, even if they're the main character, it's like them and a love interest and everyone else is straight. And that, I'm sure that's true for many, many, many people, the vast majority of people. But like, also, queer people find each other. <laughs> we all yes. find each other. We form these groups, we form these, so like to me, it makes more sense if queer people, all their close friends are queer because that's pretty much what my life is. You know, I have a few straight friends, (laughs) but (laughs) a lot of them are queer. And uh, I think queer families are something that we're seeing more of. And so showing that community uh, to me makes it, it more realistic in some ways than just having that one queer person. I
0: agree. And I think that what I've seen, at least in my life, is there have been lots of these over the years. They're just becoming more represented today. And mm-hmm. that's a nice thing to see. Um in, in Miles's parents, they did have much more of a normal relationship. It's not what <laughs> I always see in real life. But then there again, whose life is really just normal? We all yeah. have our little quirks, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> And you have both Christmas and Hanukkah in this, so that's a fun yeah. thing. It's a
1: little bit of a holiday book, uh, only very slightly. There is a scene where he like hides behind a giant candy cane, which, and there is a giant winter carnival. Okay, maybe not slightly. Maybe it's a little more than <laughs> slightly. He's realizing as he's talking about. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, I always try to have Jewish representation. Um and, uh, but my husband is a uh, uh, Christian. So I wanted to show that sort of mashup too. <laughs> I like it. I, it's something I see a
0: lot. I have quite a few clients that are Jewish uh, in my day job. And, you know, at the office, we usually have both a menorah and a Christmas tree. So it was one of those things that it was, it was really nice to see. Cause I think it is as how I see life. On an everyday basis, so that was fun.
1: Yeah, that's our house too. So I wanted it to be Emmett's house. You know, I mean, not a Christmas tree because my husband says they make too much of a mess. But uh, <laughs> um, we have we have a little statue. We ha- we hang have stockings. We have stockings in a menorah. There you go.
0: <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. Well, I love the fact that Emmett is such a matchmaker in this, and of course, the first person he goes to matchmake for as a person that he's having uh, friends with benefits for. And I, I I kept thinking to myself, you know, that's not going to work, right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, Emma is about a matchmaker. She's a matchmaker. She takes it upon herself to help this lesser girl, Harriet. And when I was looking at queering that, I was like, well, what's the the gayest version of that and the gayest version of that is someone trying to find their their friend with benefits a a genuine boyfriend because the friend with benefits is catching feelings like it's very messy it's very gay
0: <laughs> yes it is i can testify that i i i might really understand exactly how that works so like it
1: just felt very like-, like oh yeah that i could see a gay guy being like, oh, the guy I'm sleeping with casually is starting to catch feelings for me. I'm going to find him a boyfriend instead. Like, it just feels so messy in a very specifically queer way.
0: (laughs) Well, and I was going to say, at least he doesn't ghost him. But, you know, that was sort of one (laughs) of the fun finds that when uh, John gets back from Paris, that he has, within reason, sort of ghosted uh, Andre because he's looking... He assumes he'll never see him again.
1: Yeah, I liked, I mean, so John Fairfax, our replacement for Jane Fairfax, the most perfect in the world, um, is uh, off the page for almost the entire novel. You know, in Emma, uh, Jane shows up and there's a lot more to that plot line that, you know, Emma is such a long book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hundred pages in Emma. I reread it, obviously, before writing this. I swear there's a hundred pages in Emma where it's just them being like, let's talk about riddles. Um, and so it's much longer. And I, I condensed a lot of things like Jane Fairfax's sort of secret relationship um, and John's secret relationship and the way that all comes together. Um, uh, but yeah, they they all, everyone, everyone gets their their significant other except one. <laughs> but it, she she essentially is like, I don't want that. I'm gonna go. <laughs> well, and you know,
0: and so that was that was such a beautiful thing with that character that that character evolves, but what we the reader learns is that character was a lot more evolved than we ever saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see little little hints here and there. But that was really beautiful and her interaction with Emmett towards the end of the book is just, it was the right thing to do, if I can say so, because mm-hmm. I, it was, it really showed a growth in so many different ways and I loved it.
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah. I thought it was important because, you know, uh, we're getting to spoiler territory i don't want to spoil yeah I, i'm just trying to be careful <laughs> um but we see from emmett's perspective so much of that character and the way he misjudges them and the way he sort of makes assumptions that he shouldn't and at the very end when we get their perspective on everything it's like oh god <laughs> you you weren't what emmett thought this whole time you were you were someone else. And the fact that Emmett gets to be wrong is always, I love having Emmett be wrong. (laughs) Well, I think if he's ever going to be
0: real and well-rounded, he has to be a little wrong at some point. I mean, he's
1: wrong consistently throughout this book. That's the fun of it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, but it's also, I think that's the charm of Emmett, though, Mm -hmm. that, you know, because he really, honestly, he is trying so darn hard to be helpful and to be nice and to be charitable. And he doesn't quite understand that he's missing the mark so many places. There's one character that he tries to set up, well, doesn't try to set up Harrison with, he tries not to because Mm -hmm. he's already decided that this character is beneath. And I don't think there's a human on earth that hasn't at some point thought another person was beneath them or where they should be. And it was it was nice to see that play out.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like we all have at some point like had a friend who was dating someone, and we were like, "Oh no, no, no! You could do better." And, <laughs> and, like, and like maybe we're right ninety percent of the time, but maybe we're not. Maybe we're not, and maybe it's not our place to make that judgment in the first place. You know, absolutely. Um,
0: because I think if we look at Henry, Emmett's dad you know, we can never know what Henry really feels because if you haven't lost a spouse at an early age, you just simply can't know what that's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at the top, I did mention, and I'm not going to say what it is, but there is a fruit that gets a little (laughs) bit of a starring role in, in this book. And I just loved it because that fruit is, It's been used in a lot of different ways with memes and I just loved it. (laughs) I put a
1: lot of fruit in here. I think because Emmett goes to this over the top, you know, private school where the uniforms are all like yellow and blue and everything is like, I believe he says they look like they're selling ice cream all the time. And uh, there's a constant, the, the student string quartet is constantly practicing So there's just string quartet music being floating throughout the school all the time. I think in that over-the-top sort of place for them to just constantly have bowls of fresh fruit at lunch (laughs) made perfect (laughs) sense to me. And it's just eating some fruit every time.
0: I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. Oh, Lev, this has been... Such a wonderful read. This is out now, correct? Yeah. yeah. I love it.
1: Uh, oh, God. Was it last week?
0: I think last week. And then as we talked about before, yeah, this
1: week. is book number three for this year. Yeah. Yeah. And two of them are on the Amazon Best Books of the Year list.
0: I love yeah. that. That, I is big... <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. Do you have a website
1: or social media you'd like to share again? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me. My website is levacrosen.com. No periods, no spaces. And you can find me on social media as levacrosen as well on everything um, except Facebook, where I'm just levrosen. Uh, hey. No spaces. Uh, but if you want to find me, find me on Instagram. That's where I am most of the time.
0: That are either on Amazon by buying or bookshop.org. Yeah.
1: yeah, bookshop, Barnes and Noble. Um, uh, yeah, go. Buy you know like twenty copies of each of my books.
0: (laughs) Well, that's right, and it is it is the holiday season, and because both Hanukkah and Christmas appear in this book, you should be able to get one for everyone you know. If you want a holiday read, (laughs) this is the one. (laughs) Once again, it's Emmett. Thank you, Lev for joining me. I had such fun. It's always a great time. (laughs) Thank you. Hang on for me just a second. Sure. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.